Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of No Limits with Gary and Mac here on StateHornet.com. I am podcast staff for Mac Irvin III, and I'm joined once again by my co-host and good friend, Gary Singh. Gary, how you doing today? What's up? What's happening? What's good with Mac Irvin III? Well, I was feeling all right until Seattle just wasted their second-round pick, but uh, I got, you know, I think we'll talk about that later. But right now, I think we got a guest with us that we need to introduce so we have invited freelance sports journalist Tony Harvey to talk with us today. And Tony, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely great, Mac. Thank you. It's good to uh, be on the air with a couple of Sac State people. Uh, I, I'm not going to even call y'all students. I'm a Sac State State Hornet journalist. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate your time today. I know me and you've been trying to hunt this down for a while now, so I'm glad to finally get you on today. Really happy, really, really happy to get this going. So first question I have for you, Tony, where are you from and how long you've been doing what you've been currently doing right now? Okay, Gary. Uh, well, my, first, my full name is Antonio Ray Harvey. Yeah, everyone knows me as Tony Harvey around uh, Sacramento and Northern California. I'm originally from Champaign, Illinois, but I've been living in Sacramento for uh, almost 33 years. It'll be 33 years in August. Uh, first, I was attending Southern Illinois University in Carbondale for computer science, but when I moved out west, I drifted into journalism. I first got a job at the uh, Sacramento Union, which is no longer in operation. It uh, went defunct in uh, 1994, but I was, in, I was on the circulation I wasn't in editorial. After that ended, then I went to Sacramento City College and I uh, enrolled in some classes there to take up journalism. And I started off at the uh, Sacramento City uh, Express and I had a pretty interesting time there, but that was like my meteoric rise. Just going through some transformation in, in life at that time and, 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 and working at that newspaper and, and attending that city school uh, community college really helped out a lot. Then later on, I obtained a few scholarships from the Sacramento Bee. One of them was a big scholarship uh, funding from the Sacramento Bee, and I ended up interning for them at one of their newspapers in Amador County, which is about 35, 40 miles southeast of Sacramento. But they owned the paper, The Ledger Dispatch. They actually had two papers, one in um, Amador County and Calaveras County, one in Angels Camp, which is about 30 miles away from there. So I worked there for three years, and then I came back I, I did a two-year stint at the B, and then I started working for the Sacramento Observer, the city's black newspaper, where I've been working for them for almost 19 years right now. I've been freelancing. When I came back to start at the Observer, and I graduated from Sac State, I ended up freelancing for the Associated Press and Sports. That was pretty interesting because at first, I, uh, Sam Amick, he's with The Athletic right now. You know, he's an alumni of, of, of the State Hornet, too. I fell into his position when he started doing more sports assignments at the B. Then later on, UC Davis, they were transitioning from a Division II to a Division I school. So AP had me working that beat. So I was covering college football and basketball and, and, and women's basketball for both schools for AP. So I was working like seven days a week. And then every once in a while, you know, I was doing Sacramento Kings. So around 2009, all of that kind of like went away. The AP started cutting their budget. And then I just started, you know, doing more assignments on the king size for uh, the NBA, which I've been doing. Oh, that's almost 19 years now, too. I did pick up a contract with uh, NBC Sports Radio a couple years ago. But you know, now they're cutting their budget just to let you guys know what type of industry you're getting into right now. <laughs> you know, they, they cut their budget. But the Observer is my bread and butter. I cover a lot of black issues here in the city, mainly city government, county issues, board of supervisors, of course, the state capitol, you know, so I cover a lot of politics and public policy. 
I do a lot of sports, but I, I try to stay, keep my hand in all these different categories, you know, because I, I get bored doing one thing and, and, and I want to be educated and know about everything that's going on around our region. I mean, I even try to uh, read some of the stories that come to the State Hornet, too, to see what they're doing. And from what we were doing 20 years ago, you guys went through the roof because you're doing more things out in the community. It's just not a campus newspaper. You are a member of the media outlets in this region. So, and um, I'm still at it. You know, I also freelance for California Black Media, where I do a lot of politics and uh, public policy assignments. And uh, I, I really enjoy, you know, working with them because their content is statewide stuff. A lot of it reach nationwide too. So it's a lot of other media outlets that look at what California politics and public policy do, because like they said, if it happens in California, then it spreads to the rest of the country. So that's why I like covering state politics because it's a lot of things that's going on down here at the state capitol. You know, Tony, you mentioned being well-rounded and covering multiple subject areas. You know, how do you manage to juggle all of that and cover so many different things? Great question, Mac. Personally, I call it the machine. <laughs> I keep my appointments crisp and sharp and try to make it to everything that I possibly can as far as assignments. I try to stay in tune to, you know, reading up on these subjects, matters that's coming up so I can manage my time. It's, it's not really easy, okay? Let me put it like this. I keep different set of clothes in my trunk, okay? If I know I'm going to a sporting event, then I put on something a little bit more casual. If I know I'm going to the state capitol, I put on a blazer. That's just how busy I can be like in one day. The machine gets really busy and, it, and it's a hard process to do, but I guess what the big part is, is the passion and the motivation back. I'm willing to jump out and give my time to all these things. I can't be everywhere. People understand that, but I try to give my time to everything that I do. And it's based upon a burning passion and motivation that I have. It hasn't went to the wayside yet. So I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, the batteries to burn down. But in the meantime, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Same way with you guys. If you have an opportunity to cover different things and you can be able to manage your time, that's the most part. Okay, keep a calendar, you know, keep an appointment book. You can do the same thing too. Uh, and, and it's always good to stay in different arenas in this business. Because when I was researching my first book, Wayne Wilson, who was the court reporter for the Sacramento Bee, he was covering this case. So I had to interview him for my book. We were talking for days and months and stuff about this case, the serial killer case that happened in, in the mid 1980s. And then he said, well, you know, I used to be a sports editor for, for 14 years. I never saw it, not in his writing. He was a court reporter and he was a great court reporter, okay? He was a sports editor for 14 years and then he was able to flow into covering judicial things, and, uh, criminal justice system. And, and I guess the, what, the thing that caught my attention is he said, hey, just like anything else, there's good guys and there are bad guys. You just have to report on them. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they're doing, whether they're in the politics, whether they're in sports, whether they're in law enforcement, whether a district attorney, whether a teacher, okay, a principal, it, it doesn't matter. You got the goods and you got the bad. It's easy to report on. So it's a machine, man. I really do try my best to uh, keep it going. Yeah, Tony, I don't think the machine's going out. You said your battery might die. I don't think the battery's dying anytime soon. I got one last question before we go into some kings and some draft top real quick. 
what's the biggest advice you'd give to, you know, young people like us who are trying to get into your business? You know, what maybe skill sets you think that, you know, you would emphasize for us, you know, just some pointers to us young journalists who want to get into your business? When I started at the Sacramento City Express newspaper, first, you know, I was want to come in and start doing journalism. Then the next thing you know, I picked up the camera again. I've been taking pictures ever since I was eight years old, but it went dormant for a little while. But when I got back on there, it's like, if I want to do this, I want to know everything, okay? So I, I started off there writing, then I picked up the camera. Then later on, you know, of course I was an editor. Then I got to the graphic designing thing. We started learning how to do those things so I could lay out pages. I want to know everything. But of course those things have changed over the last 25, 30 years. You guys probably way ahead of me of what I'm doing right now. As far as my advice, keep doing what you're doing, you know, because there's so many journalistic tools out there that you guys can work with to, that can en enhance your abilities, enhance your skills, okay? Make sure that you try to learn them all because that's what people are looking for these days, okay? When when the beast started laying off people, most of those people were one-dimensional. There's no room for one-dimensional anymore because everybody, you're doing a podcast. Everybody's doing everything right now. Okay, they're taking pictures, they're doing podcasts, they're making many documentaries, one person, okay? So it's just not having that laptop in front of you right now. Know everything, find out everything that you can know about these journalistic tools that's out there with new, uh, with today's technology and run with it. I guarantee it will make you a better journalist, make you a better person. I don't even know what they call the digital content right now. That's what we need, in, you know, going into this 21st century. So please, and I'm pretty sure everyone say that, learn everything, learn everything. And if you get a job, if they ask you to carry the cable, carry those cables with pride because there is a shining light at the end of that tunnel and you're going to be telling the next person to carry the cables and they got to do the same thing too. Learn everything as much as possible. I think great advice right there, Tony. Thank you. for. I know I appreciate it. I know Mac appreciates it too. You want to switch lanes for us, Mac, to pro sports? Yeah, yeah, I do. And it's funny that he mentioned lights at the end of the tunnel because – I really don't see that with our Sacramento Kings at the moment, <laughs> but maybe, maybe Tony, you could shine some light on us. I know you've been in some of these pre and post game press conferences. I've been covering the Kings for 19 years, but let me tell you this, 2006, Rick Adelman, you know, the Kings are on that at the end of that era, but I'm not knowing it's the end of that era. Okay. They didn't rehire Adelman. They brought in. You know, a couple of pieces, I think it was Muscleman was the first one they brought in. And then they brought in Reggie Thiers and then a whole slain, a whole line of other uh, coaches and stuff. But I did not think to this point, Gary and Matt, that it would be a 15-year drought for the Sacramento Kings to make the playoffs. That, mm. as a, I have to say, editorial-wise, that is so frustrating, okay? I am a diehard Chicago Bulls fan. I told you guys I'm from Illinois. But I do want the hometown Kings to be successful. Now, I was a little lost back in 2012, 2013, when they thought that this team was going to move to places like, first it was Anaheim, and then lastly, Seattle. The fans, the spectators, the city, they won that fight, okay? New owners came in, blah, blah. You think things are going to get better. But no, here we are. Let's see. Vivek Ranadive been owning the team for nine years now and they still haven't made the playoffs and one decision one after another bad 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 either it's the players or the coaches or you fire the coach before he can really get going it has been frustrating but i'm still going to back this team as frustrating as it is one day they're going to get it together and i don't know mac maybe you know that 
That light, I can't see it, but I know it's there. I know that shining light is there at the end of that tunnel. That's funny that you said that because, you know, me and Mac were saying, you know, I think I was more optimistic than Mac in the beginning, especially like midpoint when they were climbing. They're like, there were two games behind the Warriors and it seemed like the Warriors were trying to give it to them, basically. And I don't know if we watched the game when they played the Warriors the other day when uh, Steph Curry on the baseline got double teamed and he threw it right into Buddy's hands and Buddy just fumbled it away. And that's exactly how I was thinking about it. That's exactly how the season went. The Warriors tried to give it to us and we lose the Pistons and the Wolves. And after that, we go on the horrible nine game losing streak i think i actually went up to 10 and after that it was about a wrap for us so my next question for you tony is what do you think we're going to do this offseason you know we didn't make no moves with barnes we didn't make no moves with buddy we know tyrese Hotburn's having a great year uh what do you think is going to happen in the offseason what do you think needs to happen? what do you think needs to happen and what do you think is going to happen well I, you know imani mcnair he's the uh, general manager right now you know the ball is in his hand we know right now that luke is not going to get fired and really i don't think a lot of this stuff is not Luke's fault. It's, 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 it's these players. Because if you can go out and win, get on a win streak, seven, nine game win streak and stuff like that, you, you're doing pretty good. But then again, you fall back and you have two in one season, nine game losing streaks. That's all on the players. Luke can't go out there and play that. For what they have, they've been able to do some good things. But these players, and he'll tell you, haven't been consistent really at all this season. Now, the offseason is going to probably center around the draft. And there's some amazing talent out there in the collegiate arena, always overseas. But definitely this year, this pack right here, from what I saw in the last NCAA uh, tournament, there are some great players out. There's not going to be too many busts. And I'll tell you one thing, there might even be a couple second rounders who's going to surprise some people in this upcoming draft. If the Kings can stay focused and find these type of people that they can bring in here, I don't care what it is, okay? If it's another great point guard, go along with Darren Fox, go ahead and bring him in. If there's another center out there, and there's some, some pretty decent centers out there, you got, you got that kid down there in uh, USC. I think he's a more of a small forward in a seven-footed body, but he's quick, he's strong, he's swift, he can move. One of my favorite, Kofi Coburn from uh, Illinois. Luca Garza uh, from uh, Iowa, okay? It's, it's a pretty good big guards out there as well as some point guards out there that I can't name right off the top but I have seen also if the Kings can find somebody in like a, a great player like one of these mid-majors I mean look what these mid-major teams are doing you know like John Morant and all them you know coming up and you know making a splash in the NBA okay Murray State okay understand that this is one kid I wish I had his name out in front of me so excuse me from Ohio mid-majors okay He's been balling for the last three years. I think he's a junior. He should come out this year. He's really, really good. If the Kings can find some dirty, decent player, I don't care what position, then they can get some things rolling. For his first year, Monty McNair, I'm not blaming him either. You deal with what you got. I'm, I'm not blaming him. Next year, step up his game, okay? I like those reserves that they brought in okay they actually made that bench a little bit more powerful they got to put the string against some wins i mean they're up and down too but it's, it's strange for the kings when you bring in new people because you have to change your system a little bit and I, i'm i'm not even going to focus mac and gary i'm not even going to talk about free agents because that's one of the bad things about the kings as far as free agents that they bring in now they should resign with sean holmes that mm -hmm. don't buy the money but definitely resign him okay 
But I'm not even going to talk about what free agents could come here because if you look at the Kings over the past several years, they bring in a pretty decent free agent for a lot of money, and then where they end up going? They end up trading them somewhere. They upset, and they're ready to go somewhere. They come in, they sign the big money, and they don't stay. I'm getting sick of that. The Kings need to stop signing these big free agents in the offseason, giving them all this money, and they ain't going to do nothing. It's almost like they might as well retire. You're giving them free money. They show the hell are you helping us make the playoff. So Money McNair, he has a lot of work in front of him. I don't care what's out there. Get it if it's there. Okay. I was surprised that Tyrese Holliburton fell that low. I watched him in a couple games. He was playing alongside Solomon Young. Solomon Young used to play at Sacramento High School. Okay. And I watched him for his whole career. When he went to Iowa State, I kept watching his games whenever I could. That's when I first saw Tyrese Holliburton, I was like, oh, man, this, this this kid is good. He's he's going to the pro. And then the draft came. And he fell to number 12. I was so surprised. I mean, even New York passed on him. They needed a shooting guard. They're doing okay right now. They've been, you know, winning a lot of ball games. Okay? That's one of the shiny moments that uh, Kings have uh, getting Tyrese Holliburton. But the work here going in the offseason, find anybody of significance that's going to help this team win. I'm tired of this fertility uh, that's been going on for the last 15, 16 years. The fans deserve better than that, and they deserve better players too. Stay away from the free agent. There you go. There you go. Sound like tank to me, Tony. Go ahead, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> he made a lot of good points. You know, the Kings are one of those teams that kind of like chase just the big free agent signing, and it almost seems like they chase it just to chase it. Like my favorite example of that is when they threw that offer sheet at Zach Levine back in 2016. And then he obviously the Bulls ended up matching it right then. But it was like, what, what were you going to do with him? You know, because I'm pretty sure we still had McLemore on the roster. And we had Buddy at the time. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's really going to depend on how the draft falls. If you look at it, though, Mac, that, that is. They just make a move just to make a move. Stop that, man. <laughs> they really need to leave these free agents alone. Because these, these guys out here and these other teams, they know the anatomy of uh, the Kings. Hey, I can get a big paycheck here, but I don't have to play that long. I exactly. I think you just, just exposed us, Tony. You just exposed us right now. Hopefully, Monty McNair can change that up. All right, let's move on to the NFL draft. Obviously, the first round of the draft was last night. Five quarterbacks went inside the top 15. I think the first two were pretty safe assumptions, but I think the number game, three was surprising, though. You, you're surprised by Trey Lance? I was not surprised because I knew. No team was trading up nine spots and two first-round picks. No team would have done that for Mac Jones. So I knew it had to be either Lance or Fields, and it felt like Lance was the better choice. Okay. Obviously, they're going to throw this this kid into the fire right away because the thing about the 49ers is, was that quarterback position. They are still built to be a playoff team, but that quarterback position had to win totally the opposite direction. I thought Jimmy G was the man, too. Let's leave it alone. Let's move on. But Lance, he got he got some RoboCop skills. That's what I call him and stuff like that. Maybe he can, you know, uh, motivate that position to jumpstart that uh, that offense. Defensively, I think they're they're safe though. But I was kind of surprised. But I'm not a 49ers fan. But I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. Well, you're talking to a Seahawks fan right there, Max. So I know he wasn't happy. I know you're not doing. I know you're not buying that, man. You know what's going on with Russell Wilson. Man? 
<laughs> exactly. And I'm a, I'm a Steelers fan, so I was happy. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Jimmy G, you know, I think he had a ceiling, in my opinion. I think they knew that he had a ceiling. I think that's why, you know, the coaching staff up there wanted to get someone new. We all know he is injury prone, so I think that was the two reasons why. I was a little shocked. I kind of were thinking they might mess this whole thing up and get Mac Jones. But I think I'm glad, you know, I'm not well, I'm not really a Niner fan, so I'm not really glad. But that's good for them that they got Trey Lance. I think they made the right move there. But uh, what do you guys think? What was the best fit that was last night? I don't know. Would you say the number one pick? I mean, they, the best, not in the spirit of uh, athletic ability, winning. Trevor come from a culture of winning. And Jacksonville, he's really played not too far from, you know, Jacksonville. What they need as far as a fit. So they're going to throw him out in the fire, too. I think he's going to raise some eyebrows as far as uh, being a rookie of the year. I may be going a little stretch right there, but you're asking me about the fit. The number one pick is a perfect fit. Yeah, I think, like you said, Urban Meyer being there, I think that's a good fit for him as well. You know, Urban is really there uh, to sell tickets. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let's get this straight, though. Yeah, okay. Exactly. I, I got a little insider information on that because uh, the owner, he went to the University of Illinois, my hometown in uh, Champaign, and still got a lot of connections on there. And uh, he wants to win. So, you know, uh, he wants to win. He wants to sell tickets. So I think Trevor is a good fit and Urban Meyer is great fit too i was hoping urban Meyer would come and coach the university of illinois but i think he's he needs to step away from college football for a little while too. exactly what do you think Matt? what was your best fit of the night you think uh it's so hard talking about fits because you know i don't you don't watch all 32 teams and decide they specifically need this type of player so instead i'm going to say the move that i liked the most and for me that was the chicago bears trading up to get justin fields because they needed a quarterback for years, let's be honest. After that debacle that was the Mitchell Trubisky pick at number two, they gave up a lot. They did give up their first rounder next year, but, I mean, you couldn't let Justin Fields fall that far. I mean, if the Bears didn't trade him to take him, he was going to fall to the Patriots, and nobody wants that. <laughs> you know, let the Patriots deal with Mac Jones. He's probably the better fit for them anyway, but I'd like what Chicago did. Hopefully this sets them up, but I think, Crucially, it also buys Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, the head coach in the GM. It buys them a little bit more time to try to prove that they're the right people for the job. Exactly. And I, you know, I was going to say, too, that you said best fit. I think the best fit, in my opinion, was actually Mac Jones to New England. Like, you know, like he's the only guy really that was a quarterbacker who's a pocket passer. And, like, I mean, who else do you want to be in New England than a pocket passer? But, you know, coming from Tom Brady type ilk, who is, you know, just the whole, a goat of that whole debate right there and being the pocket master, probably the last one really in the league right now. So, Mac Jones, I think, feeling his spot. I don't know if you obviously, uh, I don't obviously don't think he'll be Tom Brady, but, you know, feeling in that type of same role, you know, maybe he could be a game manager coming from Alabama, that tie with Nick Saban and Bill Belichick coming from the same coaching tree, I think will help out that situation. But Mac said it. He said, what I like the most, I like my team getting Najee Harris. Harris, man, we go. I wanted a running back. We got the best running back, I think, in the draft. It's gonna be all do good till you got to throw the ball. <laughs> I, li I like you guys' perspective on there too. And yes, you know I'm a Chicago Bears fan too. It's a touchy su subject with me right now, but I like the way you put it down, Mac, because <clears throat> Trubisky should have never been drafted from the get go. I'm tired of these guys coming here who did one year, and then you think, oh, hey, oh, okay, one year got to at least give me two or three years to see for all these quarterbacks okay after you don't play one year these teams got a chance to study you for a whole offseason to find out your nicks your knacks your habits okay your patterns and stuff okay 
it wasn't that hard to find out Trubisky because he didn't really have any habits and nothing like that. So just go in there and kill a guy. Okay. If if he doesn't see nothing downfield, he'll run the ball. If he think he sees something, he'll throw the ball and he'll throw an interception. That's all I was seeing, you know, through his career. That's because he didn't take time to learn all the fundamentals when he was where you, uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. North, yes. North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay. And the competition in, in, in that league is, it, it, it has increased, but it, it's not all, you know, like, you know, playing in the Pac 12 and the Big 12 or the, the top on the SEC and stuff. Okay. But it wasn't easy to find out what he do and stuff. So that's one thing that worries me about the uh, Chicago Bears. But I would say this is a safe pick, but I don't want to get too far into that right now. Like I said, I try to stay away from that, Mac, because <laughs> a little touch of subject right there with that uh, quarterback. Uh, underneath, though, you can get a quarterback. They got to be able to play in that region. It's cold. Yeah, okay. it's warm, it's real muggy at one time, and the next thing you know, it's extreme temperatures and stuff. Okay, there's only one person right now that I know who was able to adapt to that, and that's the guy up in Green Bay. <laughs> quarterback up in Green Bay. We'll see what that quarterback position and how it uh, and how it works out for the uh, Chicago Bills. All right, and you know, we'll see how wrong we are in five years' time. And I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of No Limits. Again, we want to thank Tony Harvey for getting on and being able to talk with us about the Kings of the Draft. Thank you, Tony. Thank, thank you, Tony. you, and I think you guys are doing great. Um, I, Gary, you know I talk to you all the time. Uh, Mac, this is the first time, you know, we've been engaged. I think um, the first time I saw you was at a Sac State game when ESPN or somebody was covering the, uh, the playoff game. I'm watching you guys. We'll continue watching you guys. Good. And you're only going to get better, too. But I, I, I really enjoy uh, this on-the-air time. Thank you. We appreciate you coming, Tony. Be sure to go check out all the other podcasts and stories on StateHornet.com. And we'll see you for the next episode of No Limits. Peace.